Hey, I'm Sean. And I'm Jesse. And, and we're, we're the, the DMs, DMs of, of Vancouver. Vancouver. We're two newish DMs who are still getting the hang of the whole DM thing. So we sit down with a friend every couple of weeks and pick their brain on their approach to DMing. So come along as we figure out how to help our players have the best time possible at the gaming table. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of DMs of Vancouver. Today we're going to be talking about NPCs. Today we're talking to Kyle Decker. How's it going, Kyle? Uh, it's going very well. So so Kyle, where might our listeners know you from? Uh, your listeners might know me from Quest Friends, an actual play podcast I run, and then Quest Friends, an actual play podcast I run, and then Rouletteia, a module I made, Based on Quest Friends, the actual play podcast I run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Well, well actually, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that module first, I guess. Okay, cool. That module, which is as of unreleased at recording, but should have been released months ago as of release. Um, <laughs> it's basically a location module for the Cypher system. It includes uh, descriptions, items, characters of this place called Rouletteia, which was a major location in our third arc. Uh, essentially combine Disneyland with Las Vegas with absolutely no regulation. And you get this uh, this basically like hellscape with a smile. It's a really <laughs> terrible place uh, based on kind of like the jazzy gilded age of, uh, of America. Um, but it's all, it's all dialed up. It all is like, you know, pretending that it's great and you know every guy in there is going to talk like this um and so it's i just made a module that basically converted all the notes that i had based on that location and some of the npcs and some of the items and then some original stuff and just threw it all together in what i believe will be 22 pages it's around 20 pages long uh and i'm not going to add or remove stuff from now recording until release nice so Let's uh, let's dive into the the topic at hand. NPCs. I think when it comes to NPCs, for me personally, usually there's like when I'm because I do mostly homebrew, and when I'm thinking ahead, there's usually like like when I'm thinking of starting a campaign, there's usually one or two NPCs that stand out in my mind as like okay, these are key NPCs. I know exactly how they look, how they talk, what their whole deal is. And then I realized that when you're like in my last campaign, running a campaign that's going to include traveling to a couple of cities. And one of them is a very large city, the capital of a whole continent. You need more than just two NPCs. <laughs> um, and I mean, I mean, the Pokemon anime got away with it. <laughs> like, just yeah. every person can be a, like... Uh, Nurse Joy. A Nurse Jenny. Yeah, and Nurse oh. Joy. I, I always forget their names. Officer yeah. Jenny and Nurse Joy. Yeah. Just have them be everyone. Yeah, until there's a, a convention, and then they all show up at the same place, and it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Um, so when it, when it comes to trying to create, I guess, like, background NPCs or other important NPCs... Um, do you have any techniques or like a flow chart or something that helps you get through the process of like populating some of those important positions in, in a town or in like a, a mercenary group or something like, how do you figure out who should be a named NPC that, you know, the players might need to talk to? Yeah. So I think it's a common refrain you hear a lot around, but it's still worth repeating for anyone who hasn't heard it before. You don't, you really don't. Um, it's, and there are a bunch of systems. So what I'm going to describe works entirely for me. I kind of have, uh, I have kind of three classes of NPCs. I have those that I'll throw out on the fly, had no preparation for those. I put a little bit of thought into and not a lot. And then those that are just critical to the story and have to be part of it. And I've realized that nothing distinguishes those three. At least not to the players. Uh, players can, like, identify, you know, if someone's important, if someone's not. Like, it's it's we, we're all able to identify in stories. Like, if this really important person is called really important, they're probably going to be really important. Uh, but... One of the big things for me is 
well, first off, not having an expectation of who will stick around and who won't. And along those lines, make sure that whatever you go with is something you can maintain. Um, and not like, I'm going to do a raspy guy. And then you have to do that for the rest of time because people really like the raspy guy. <laughs> uh, so there are, there's a trick I use in particular, and then there are kind of four methods I've learned to find character. So the first thing I wanted to mention was names, because you asked about that. And one of the things I did is I just literally have a name list. I have a list of interesting names. Uh, for Quest Friends, it's actually people who tweet out about the show. I'll use that name as, as reference. Um, but that's just because otherwise every person in my world is named Jerry. I mean, I, I default to boring white names, but between but inside of boring white names, there's like the Jerry sphere. <laughs> where if I don't know what to name someone, they're named Jerry. Uh, so an easy way to get around that is to have a name list. Like, I'm just going to go down, I'm going to pick a random one from the list. That's actually something that I did for my homebrew campaign. I actually, I mean, I'll, I fully admit that I put way too much effort into prepping for this campaign, but I created a <laughs> list of names based on the race. So that if they ran into a halfling, I had, okay, here's some male and female halfling names, and here's... Uh, halfling clan names okay cool just pick two of those and you're good to go yeah otherwise you'll have gerald i'm not gonna keep this guy going yeah no <laughs> i absolutely get what you're saying so that's how i handle names as for like everything else uh something i learned in improv when i did that a few years ago i once took a class on characters because i'm i i i, I realized that i either commit to a character immediately and know what they are or I don't. Um, and so there's, there's four methods I've learned to find character. The first one is the one that I'm sure most people think of right away, which is voice there. You know, a lot of people, when they think about characters, think about voices and you don't have to do them again, all of these four are different methods to finding them. Uh, but for me, it's very easy to put on a very silly voice. Uh, but the thing is, that's only going to work for certain NPCs. Like, I can't just have them go up to, like, the, you know, here's the big fearsome dragon, and I just do the first voice I can think of. <laughs> like, it just isn't going to work for important characters. Um, but it is a very helpful thing, and there's there's a lot of ways of getting nuance into character voices as well. That being said, that's not the only method, and it might not be something people are comfortable with. One other one that I found is a lot more comfortable for me, and something something I don't do as often when I'm remotely, but especially in person, is finding finding a posture. You know, finding like a pose or a position. How does this person carry themselves? How do they move? And like obviously the first thought is, well, this is gonna work really well in in-person games. You know, you can you can hunch over uh, if you're, you know, like the if you're like a, an evil, like conniving person, you could like start just twiddling your fingers together, doing that like little evil villain perch um, with your hands, making that like triangle, <laughs> uh, which I'm, I'm saying as I do it, but obviously you can't see it. <laughs> but this is something that also it works in in remote games as well, because, again, all the things I'm mentioning are not characters in and of themselves. Like. I could pull on a voice, but this isn't a character. This is just me speaking normally with a voice. Um, it's 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 all about a way of finding characters. So even if like you know, if I put in the steeple and I want to put on like you know, be 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 the evil, thoughtful villain, and this is how they they carry themselves, so I can think and act properly like that character. Like the reason I'm able to speak like I am now and have have the cadence is because I'm posed like that character. And I feel like how that character would feel. Uh, and that's, that's even if the pose doesn't carry over, that feeling, that identification of what the character is like from the posing is, uh, is just a way you can get to them. Because that's ultimately what we want to do. You want, we want you to get to the character so that they can act in a way that's uniquely them. Two other things, two other methods I've learned, which are a bit weirder is one that I learned when starting a scene is, is coming in with an object. And we literally just had an object uh, that we, and, and just like imagine one in your mind or take a physical one. 
you know, let's continue with the, the evil, terrible person. Maybe with this, I just imagine them holding, you know, those like impractically <laughs> small globes that villains always seem to have that like fit in one hand. Like I'm just holding like this globe in my hand. Uh, and it's just like an object that makes me feel like, all right, who is, who is the kind of person who would be holding this object just up in the air, showcasing it to the world, but also to no one in particular and looking at it. What is this person like? Uh, and, and how would they act? And then finally, the fourth method I've learned, uh, which is, I think, an interesting one, is an <laughs> animal. This is one I'm not comfortable with. Uh, so as I said, there are four methods. Everyone's comfortable with their own one. But this is the one that's a little uncomfortable for me, especially in an improv space, where if you're a cat, you're getting down on all fours. But it's basically just imitate an animal and once you started doing the imitation, like then you can start making it more human, acting more like a person. But it's like just letting it all loose, embracing those animal traits, not being afraid to be silly. That's the big thing is once you get that restraint gone, you're going to have a lot more freedom to just pull things out of nowhere. But embracing if you embrace kind of like that animal's postures, their mannerisms, even the way you would imagine them speaking, then that's another way to find a character. Like I have a character who's literally a walrus. So I just like started contorting my face. Cause again, this is going to be something you can just do with your face, not even your whole body. I just started like puff out my face and really accentuate the like, puffiness and slowness i think of with walruses uh and that was able to get me not only like a character voice but like a cadence and an emotion and like you know people are going to say you need different things for different characters but those are like four different ways you can get to just having a break off point to the character what animal are they like what do they sound like what uh, what is their posture like? What is their uh, hand like? As you can see with me, it all relates very strongly to good or bad, a voice. That's how I get it. If I've locked into a voice, I've locked into a character. But there are lots of people who don't need that as, at all. Like Maybe they just need a cadence, or they need a posture, or they need uh, just a, a bag full of objects, like they're uh, like a, their prop comedian. Maybe you just need to be your inner prop comedian, go to the dollar store, and pull out objects to signify each character there's there's a lot you can do that isn't just voices and like even if you struggle at making people unique if you're gonna go to your table and you have one guy who holds a pencil all the time even if this character might not be acting as appropriately as you think they should you pull up the pencil people are gonna know like oh it's pencil man here's pencil guy we know him i think one thing that kind of goes for me at least goes hand in hand with the the posture um and I, I i think posture is the one that works best for me by the way because i find that it's i'm a lot more comfortable and i find it a lot easier to just change my posture maybe even like stand up walk around a little bit at least in a in-person game when you're playing remote you kind of have to stay near the microphone but um i think something that helps with that is and it took me a little bit of practice to get used to this but try changing the way you speak a little bit. Like maybe you have a character who does not speak in contractions, like they don't use them or you have a character yeah. that uses, uh, you know, fancier words, or you have a character who always references a certain animal whenever they're trying to make a point or whenever they try to make a met metaphor. Um, changing how you speak and, and how you're holding yourself, I think, can be a lot easier for some people than trying to do a voice because I mean, I think critical role has done some great things for, for the <laughs> hobby, but having a group of voice actors be kind of the biggest yeah. face of D and D has put some ideas into people's heads. I mean, people kind of already thought that D and D and, and role-playing games were people sitting in a basement making you know, funny voices. And now they think it's people sitting in a studio playing D and D and making funny voices. <laughs> but um, I think people, folks have to realize that like, if you're not comfortable doing voices, then you absolutely don't have to do them. 
unless you really really want to because um, yeah like getting stuck doing a character like the uh what was it from the first season of critical role the black powder merchant i haven't watched oh there's this there's this character this uh like a black powder merchant who is this weird crazy eccentric guy eccentric guy who every time they come back to has lost another finger or you know is even dirtier than it was the last time because he's learning how to make black powder in you know D. so of course things are going wrong um but his yeah. voice is just this crazy over the top um voice and like matt mercer does an amazing job but matt mercer is a voice actor <laughs> and <laughs> I think it's it's one of the things I see, I think, the most when I see online DMs talking about, like, how do I make an NPC memorable? I, I don't know how to do voices. And the answer is always, well, you don't have to do a voice. Like, an NPC can be memorable for lots of reasons. And I think all the stuff that you've outlined are great ways to make an NPC memorable. And it's it's also not just what like how an npc is it's what they do like if you have the most amazing npc in the world they have a great backstory and then the players talk to them for two minutes and never come back then you put a lot of work into nothing basically yeah that was actually um that was something i was thinking about about mentioning was um kind of along those lines of you know I don't know why I'm just thinking do it your way. I don't like Burger King, but like Burger <laughs> King, do it your own way. Um, it's like, yeah, it's, 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 I outline those four methods because each one, you know, works different for, for different people. And I should also mention that voices, like the ones I did weren't good. They were just me making stuff up. They don't have to be good. And it also doesn't have to be extreme. It can just be cadence as well i have a friend who can do much better impersonations than i can he doesn't change his voice at all he just can knock out inflections and like speaking styles and it's absurd uh but one of the things that i, I want to talk about that actually that lines up with is the fact that i have noticed the characters that the npcs that my players enjoy the most aren't the ones i like care about most on a broad level they're not the ones where i'm like oh man this you know this lady has a really deep backstory she's got so much complex stuff going on you know she's so cool no it's the ones that just in the moment i like playing you know the ones that like in the moment i am having fun playing are typically the ones that my friends have fun playing off of um and so it's 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 less like I don't know. Just what you were saying made me think about like how how key it is to focus less on how cool or important a character is in the broad sense and think about like in the moment are you just committing 100% having a blast playing that character because if you are your players probably will enjoy them as well. Not always, but like that's at least been a pretty consistent trend for me. Yeah, I feel like if you're you're really committing to an NPC, even if they're like not really important or not, um, you'll get a strong reaction from your players. Because that's the other important thing about NPCs: your players don't have to love them. Sometimes it's better if they hate them, because you're playing a villain or somebody <laughs> who antagonizes them on purpose or you know whatever, and you don't want your players to really like them. You want your players to hate them and like be so frustrated that they're there because that's the point i i might send whatever segment this is to one of my friends who is filled with a right white hot curdling rage when i mention her character's <laughs> nemesis it's it's so good but no it, it's yeah I, I you're absolutely right i think fun was the wrong word i think yeah. it's in, i like the term engagement whatever character you're most engaged with uh is usually the best one so long as everyone's still comfortable at the table yeah. of course yeah of course there's there's always that line of like yeah don't don't make an npc that is on purpose like making your players really uncomfortable um i mean unless you're playing the kind that kind of game and you've already talked about the limits of what can appear in that kind of game yeah and i think something to to keep in mind with all this is like we've kind of touched on it a little bit is like you can put a ton of effort into backstory and all that but the characters that your players like are the ones that they interact with a bunch so if you've got a character that you 
put a lot of effort into, then figure out like you can kind of trick your players into engaging with with a character by just making them engage with that character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's an easy trick for that I've learned is just personal attacks are the greatest thing. <laughs> find out what your friends like, find out what they hate, and that's your game now. Um like that's at least that's how oftentimes I've been able to get my characters engaged pretty easily with about half my NPCs is I've connected them to something that they like. So it's like, ah, well, like they just, they're already biased towards that character or against them. And just emotion is a good starting point. Yeah. You know, I I was just thinking, I think something that we should talk about too is how um, not all NPCs have to be memorable. Some of them are like strictly a utility, like the, the messenger who brings them a letter and then, you know, goes back to the capital or whatever. And when you're making NPCs, uh, you can think, try and think about that before you make them. So you don't, you know, spend hours uh, writing a backstory for this messenger and everything. And then it's a two second interaction. And you're like, I knew this was going to happen. Why did I put all of this work in? One of the things that I did, uh, one of the things that, you know, Again, those first four things that I mentioned earlier are four. They're literally improv things. They're designed to make characters that split second. Um, And yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Like, use those methods to make someone who's fun to play and then just throw away. (laughs) I think one of the things that causes game masters to put, I guess we could call it too much effort, into NPCs is that in some systems, um, like if it's a more important NPC, we're like, we're not talking about like, yeah, that messenger that comes in for two minutes to say, here's a letter and then, you know, leaves. Um, but the ones that they might have to interact with that, you know, they might have to have a conversation with where they have to convince them and there's going to be die rolls, uh, or you're trying to convince somebody. So you have to know, what their stats are that I think it's kind of a side effect of having to figure out what an NPC's stats are that people want to put a little bit more effort into. And, and so they, you know, come up with a backstory and how do they talk and all of this kind of stuff. Um, I've played a couple of systems now and I found that there are some systems that creating NPC is, is almost as quick as just creating like, okay, how do they talk? What do they look like? Cool. I'm done. Like, for some systems, it's, okay, they're good at talking, so I'm going to give them a score of this, and that's all I have to care about. Have Do you have anything for when you're creating NPCs that you know that the players might have to, say, uh, you know, roll to convince them or to intimidate them or, you know, any of those other social skills that might be involved in whatever game you're playing? How do you come up with that part of an NPC on the fly? So... I play Cypher system, so I don't. <laughs> uh, I'm a little biased here because I, I play, at least at this point, I've played almost exclusively Cypher system, literally for a character, you give them a level and that's it. And you can adjust some things, but like I actually have a giant character list for my current arc because I'm just starting it, but we'll be like midway through by the time this releases. And I just like, for some of them, I didn't even put down character stats. I was just like, uh this 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 um so it's tough to tell because i think it's important to have i mean it all depends with some groups you could be like hey i'm just gonna kind of feel it in the moment but i'll decide it before you roll and they might be okay with that some groups it might be like you need to have a strict thing down you know right away what you have planned i guess my big thing is backstory no no (laughs) you want to give your npc a backstory no like i literally one of my most important npcs kind of has a backstory but kind of doesn't like if it's not directly related to the plot no it and of course this comes with the the caveat of for some people that's helpful in figuring out their characters um but uh, again for me it's just if you have a character have those stats on ahead of time 
you know, maybe something that might be helpful is having the equivalent of a name sheet. Like here's some random like stats I can just pull out. Like here's a default smooth talker stats that I'm going to pull in my game. Here's a default thing. Like you could even pull stats from existing NPCs in whatever rule book you're in. Cause just cause Dracula is the guy that has all these stats doesn't mean you can't just pull those stats and use them for Dracula <laughs> or Gracula. Like you can put like stats don't need to belong to a character. But I think if you're going to get into the point where you're starting to plan out stats right, ahead, right away, just worry about what you need to make an NPC work in the moment and then feel free to explore after that. And again, that's just the way it works for me. Some people need need a lot more information, but I think for me, backstory has always been the big killer. That's always the warning word for me because it's not, unless someone's backstory tells me how I would play them in the moment, I don't care. <laughs> um, but again, that's, and I know I just kind of went off on a tangent again, ba- against backstory, but like that's just gonna happen when I start talking about NPCs. <laughs> you know, Oh, I think go oh, go, go uh, ahead, you know I think that's actually an important thing to to hear for a lot of DMs and new DMs who you know think like feel like there's that pressure to have all that detail. You don't need it. Um, I don't use it for most of my NPCs unless I've decided that they're uh, that their backstory is plot relevant. Um, you know, if somebody's a teacher, like I'm running a, a game that's set in a high school part of the time, and you know somebody's a teacher there, and I know the important relevant details, and that's all, because that's all I really need, and that's all my players need. If they ask me more, I can make up more things, but I don't necessarily need that ahead of time. It's okay to not have a backstory. <laughs> and one of the things is, if you feel like you need that for a lot of your NPCs, uh, but you're just like, I just can't do it for all these NPCs. One of the big things for me is that I can tell after my, for the most part, I can tell after their first interaction with an NPC, how an NPC is going to go with my characters and if they're ever going to come up again. And so like, there's, you can always add things after the NPC has been created. Like I had one boy who was meant to appear for one session but then everyone hated and loved him. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to write up a dossier on what this boy's deal is. <laughs> because, I mean, once they're in, they're in. Unless you, you know, something happens where they die or leave or really aggravate the characters. But for the most part, if if they're like, we like this NPC, you can just throw them in. And at that point, then throw in all the backstory, all the information you want. Because, like, they've already made that good first impression. You've already shown you've made a strong enough impression that when they come back, you have enough to work off of. So then you can feel free to start making all, up all the stuff that you want. But I would at least genuine, generally try to stay a bit more reserved, even for big characters, just in case it's tough. Cause my longest form game is an actual play. That's very heavily not scripted, but things are going to go the way they're going to go. So I am kind of stuck with certain NPCs, but uh, if I wasn't running a game like that, then I would generally be just hesitant about how much I write about NPCs until I've seen them make their first appearance. I think part of what drives GMs to tr- like want to create backstory is that we've all got some piece of media whether it's a book a movie a video game that we really like and we really like the characters and so we've gone and done a little bit little bit of reading and you know on a wiki or on some official site there's this you know well thought out backstory that explains everything about why this character is the way they is and the way they are i'm good at english uh, <laughs> that we we see that and we keep seeing that and you know you pick up a module for a game and even the like you know the minor npcs in a town will still have at least something and so i think we've just we just kind of get conditional conditioned a little bit to think about npcs as you know characters who have a backstory and that's not that's not true like we can you can create an NPC off the fly with just like we've been talking about with just a name and a way of talking. They don't need to have a backstory until it's like what Jesse said, plot relevant. Yeah. And like, I think 
watch of the first movie or the first episode of something that you like that has side characters and just look at how little backstory they have. Like, in order to appreciate Timon and Pumbaa and The Lion King, you don't gotta watch The Lion King one and a half, which goes through Timon's home problems and his issues with his mother and the meat rats, which is all actual stuff that exists. You don't need it. <laughs> you just have two guys who run away from their problems. Why? How? Beats me. You don't need that to enjoy Akuna Matata, even though I don't actually like that song that much. <laughs> and oftentimes when you see movies that go into character backstories, people just don't like them. Like they're just things like the Lion King one and a half, <laughs> which actually was okay when I watched it as a kid. But like, no, I get, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like there's, there's backstories that we create because they're integral to the plot or the story we're t- trying to tell. And then there's backstories that absolutely do not matter in the slightest. <laughs> yeah it's and and again this all comes with a caveat of some people that's how they find their characters but um backstory is not story until it becomes story which was a very convoluted way of saying that but like they're in like for example my thing there are some characters where their backstory and what they did to cause what is happening in the world right now is really important but a large part of the reason why is because a it affects significantly how the characters act now and two it serves as like a nice thematic foil to the current arc of the characters but then there are some people who just like where did they come from where do they go i have no idea (laughs) one person literally was they're an adventurer they're a big fan of one of the characters that's it and that's literally, that's all I've had for the months I've been playing them. And they're one of the most dynamic NPCs because <laughs> I don't need anything else. So we've talked a bunch about methods that you can use to create a character on the fly or when you're prepping beforehand. Let's talk a little bit about why, why a game needs NPCs in the first place. Like, why are they, why are they important? So NPCs, uh, I mean, when people start out with NPCs, a lot of like a lot of the thought processes, well, it's like video games. They're there to deliver items and quests and stuff like that. And that also that is very important. Um, and then there's also what I kind of was going through previously, which was like, uh, I like to consider NPCs as side characters in the story. They're not functionally identical because they're a lot more slot in slot out. You know, some might just never come back. But I like thinking like, how do, what, what, what makes me like a side character? Uh, in in a movie or in a tv show and then i kind of like think about that when i create my npcs because that's they're side characters in the story they just happen to have stats but the reason one of the big upsides to npcs that i really wanted to mention uh so thank you for reminding me about that is that it is is how important they can be to role playing a common thing i see in some games is when people are like, all right, you're at a campfire. Now's your role-playing time. Get to know to each other, get to talk to each other. And that can work out, but especially when characters are starting to get to know each other, it's it's difficult to just... It, it can be difficult to have role-playing like that. It's like taking two babies, slamming them, to, like just setting them next to each other and being like, play, be merry, have fun. Uh... And that can be very difficult, but NPCs I've found are a great way to facilitate inter-character interaction. Uh, And I think that's kind of their secret purpose that isn't necessarily appreciated enough. Like, I, whenever I start off times with with characters, whenever I start off a game with characters, I will almost always throw them in with an NPC that is interacting with all of them, because by interacting with an NPC that they have a specific purpose to interact with, they're not thinking like, Oh, what is my character? Like, how would they introduce themselves to each other? How would they say hi? They're just like being their character interacting with that NPC. And because they're a group having that conversation, they're starting to have conversations, not only with the NPC, but they're also starting to interact with each other over the course of that process. That's just how group conversations go. Typically there's overlap. It's not four people talking to one person on the other side. Um, And I just think that's really 
a really important way of getting people to start to have their characters interacting with each other without having without basically having the pressure of now is your role playing time now interact with one another cuz i i've just i just haven't seen that work out for me personally and i think using npcs as the springboard to exploring character is a great way to start exploring interparty relationships and strengthening those so i have a a, a quick question for you actually cuz you mentioned the cipher system yes um, so does that system have any tools for creating NPCs or is it kind of just like, as you mentioned, you just decide on a level and that's all you really need? Yeah. So, um, they have rules and things that apply for like, you know, sample characters that you can use, but in the cipher system, everything is ranked one through 30, level one through 30. And essentially uh, in order to figure out what you got to roll to beat it, you multiply it by three. So you have to roll a 3 to beat a level 1 character, you have to roll a 15 to beat a level 5 character, and you have to roll a 30 uh, to beat a level 10 character. And so essentially, if you need to create a new NPC, you can just slap on a level, maybe slap on how much damage they do and how many hit points they have, and you're good to call it a day. Uh, And it's just really nice for me as a creator, because... I just got to figure out what like the medium difficulty level is for whatever level they're at. Like what's a medium difficulty role. And I can just slap that on every single NPC. I like systems like that quite a bit better than D and D with regards <laughs> when it comes to NPCs. Cause like I think about fate and like, it's only ever the four fate dice and maybe depending on the game they might get a bonus to their role like in dresden files if you're fighting if you're all if you're human and you're fighting something supernatural it's going to get a bonus against you because it's supernatural yeah um or a game like eclipse phase where it's super easy to come up with a uh or even star wars or uh the end of the world uh series of games where coming up with an npc is on the fly, like if you need stats, like right now, because your characters decided that instead of talking to this shopkeep, they were going to start a brawl, then coming up with stats is really quick and easy compared with D&D where, well, if they're going to fight, you have to figure out like which weapon is it? Okay, how much damage does that weapon do? What's their proficiency bonus? Like what level are they? Do they have anything special? Like there are a lot of templates and I think you touched on this a little bit earlier. Like there are templates that you can crib from. Like if, if they're an average townsfolk, like you can just grab the, uh, there's a couple of NPC templates for like a town guard. There's one for, uh, like a, a street tough. I think there's one for a like minor Lord, like a, a mayor or Baron or like somebody who, you know, maybe was a soldier, 30 years ago and still has a sword. Um, But when it comes to like maybe more important NPCs, like, Oh, they're talking to a a Druid and uh, you know, something's attacked, uh, you know, whatever monster they're tracking is attacks that attack the Druid enclaves. Like, well, okay, now you need to know what spells they have and figuring stuff out on the fly. Sometimes for D and D is a pain in the ass. Agreed. I, uh, there's a reason I don't GM TNT. <laughs> I like, I like having improv, which is where a lot of my, my thought process comes from, just because that's where my strength lies. Yeah, I think the nature of D&D does lend itself to prep quite a bit more, but I think that kind of comes back to the, like, if you're planning a session where they're going to be talking to a druid and you know that an animal is going to attack or that one of your players really doesn't like druids for reasons that they know about in their own backstory but you as the gm have too many other things to care about so all you know is they fight druids um i think those are instances that yeah like yeah you do have to do a little bit of prep but again i think there are probably tons and tons and tons of resources online or in your local game store to help you figure this stuff out. Cause like one of the things that I've been doing uh, is when I go to uh, our local 
local to residents of the Vancouver area uh, hobby store strategies. They've got a bunch of, I think they're done by Kobold Press. I can't remember off the top of my head, but they're basically like short little adventurers meant for a, I think they're kind of built to be one shots, but they're targeted at specific levels, but you know, they're, I think they're like five bucks a piece, but it comes with a short module, but it also comes with NPCs. So if I need to crib a minor vampire Lord, which was from one of the adventures or stuff like that, like there are modules out there that you can crib all this stuff from and then just change the name and how they talk. Yeah, no, I, uh, references are your friend. That's how I would make, because I can homebrew everything in Cypher system, I would. But if I was using something like D&D, I would just use their regular monsters as a reference. I know I did that with Cypher system when I started working on it. I would just change a stat here or there, but I just take something I liked and made it something else. And something that's kind of been bouncing around in my head is like the idea, like I think it was something about writers where it's like, good writers write great writers steal where (laughs) you know if there's a character from a movie or a tv show that you really like that you're like oh that could make a cool npc use them if they've already got a backstory in a way that they speak i mean you don't have to try and recreate their voice but if there's an npc that you can crib wholesale from a tv show or a book or a movie even if your players are as familiar with that source material as you are, it doesn't matter. Like they'll have fun knowing they're like, Oh, this is this character from this show that we both really like. Ha ha. This is great. I know how to talk to this character. And they're like, I would be very, very surprised if you ever got called out for stealing a character from a show or whatever for an NPC in a game. Yeah. Like, and it's, and it's a game between you and friends. Like, The copyright police ain't going to be knocking down your door for using something in your personal game. And honestly, even if it's in a professional thing, you just got to make it your own, which you'll do by embracing you. Like I have, uh, let's see, I have a character who's just the villain from Miraculous Ladybug. I stole Ursula from the Little Mermaid and made her character's nemesis. (laughs) And uh, something I once heard... Uh, which I believe it was the guy from The Simpsons uh, who said, like, a a common way to get voices is to just try to do impersonations because we're all terrible at them. (laughs) And then, but if you don't tell anyone you're doing an impersonation, then, like, they're not going to be the wiser and it's just going to be a unique character voice. Uh, Like, like, I have a character who just talks like this named Vergule. And it's just me doing a very terrible imitation of Iago from Aladdin. But nobody knows, so it's just a unique voice. <laughs> He's just his own thing, because you, I can't make perfect interpretations. I add some of myself into it, no matter what I write. And so, like, it's still your thing. If I thought somebody was going to steal a villain from a Disney movie, my first thought would have been Jafar, but <laughs> but Ursula from The Little Mermaid, yeah, really works as a, as an NPC villain for teen, for for any like fantasy style role playing game. She's she's so good. She's so good. I actually it was I first started with Tamatoa, Tamatoa, I think is how you say it from Moana, and then I was like, I like Ursula more, so I'm just going <laughs> to steal her instead. <laughs> I think the other thing about, and we, we've, I think, done an entire episode on basically taking inspiration from other shows and stuff, but the the thing about doing that is that most of the time, if players figure out what, you, what you're doing, they're going to just feel pleased with themselves and be excited <laughs> about figuring it out, as opposed to being like, you're just playing Ursula, what the fuck? So my story is based on like these legendary heroes from the past, something disastrous happened. Now you got to go meet all of them and figure out how to stop it. That's the general crux. It's a lot better than that. Please listen to my show. (laughs) But the way I was able to make these characters feel like legendary heroes and also get character investment is I just blatantly stole them from NPC, from player characters. I and my friends had played in the past. Uh, and they enjoyed that a lot more. Like there were two characters who were going to, ha- who had a will they won't they thing. 
and then the com- campaign never ended. So I just had them appear as a married couple that had been around for years. And I like, I her one character's name was Violet and I just changed it to Mauve. I used a <laughs> synonym of the word purple for her name. Um, and my, my friends ate it up because like they were invested. They cared about those characters. If you steal something from something you all like, people aren't going to be like, oh man, it's that thing we all like. What a bummer. They're going to be like, we get to fight Hawk Moth. That's so cool. I think like maybe if you have somebody who gets really pedantic about this stuff, it's like, that's not how Iago would do the thing. It's like, calm down. Also, what are you talking about? I'm not playing Iago. Yeah, I found that I never tell people, unless I've already figured out the character's voice and can replicate it, I won't tell someone what I'm stealing it from. Oh yeah, telling somebody like you you introduce a character like you never introduce a character and say and their voice is based on <laughs> Scar from The Lion King. It's like no, you just do a voice. Oh, my I should try to do I couldn't do Jeremy Irons, but I'm tempted to try now. Yeah. I mean, there are some like it's the one thing I will admit is I do wish I was much better at voices because there are some voices that if I could pull them off, I'd be so happy to have have on the other hand imagine having jeremy irons as a player in a in a role-playing game like the gravitas he could give to like trying to rip off a shopkeep when they're buying something from him would just be incredible (laughs) um but all we all we have to all we have is blair me blarens um And like, no one needs to know that he's Jeremy Irons and you were just doing his voice and realized, you know, I can't do it, but this sounds unique. So I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. I don't know his voice well enough to do a terrible impersonation of it, but. um, Yeah, I can hear it in my, I can hear it in my head, but I'm not going to try because like I said, I don't do voices. Yeah. Yeah. and, And you don't have to, but. Uh, again it's all for me it's all about secret like uh what am i trying to think of uh i can't think of one that's not like if i wanted to do a bad arnold schwarzenegger people would be like wow that's a really shitty arnold schwarzenegger you look terrible but if i'm just like hey here's this guy his name's jeff he's really excited then like it's just now that's now jeff is a really exciting character (laughs) and he doesn't feel like a cheap knockoff he just feels like jeff the way too excited shopkeep. <laughs> Jeff is another one of my go-to names, I guess. It's 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 it is um, Jeff and Jerry, just J names for days. <laughs> well, they're funny, right? They're they're those kind of just plain names that are sort of so plain they're ridiculous, I guess. <laughs> no, I yeah, no, that makes sense. So, Kyle. Uh, thank you so much for joining us Uh, I've got one final question for you our traditional final question Um, if you had a time machine and you could go back and talk to yourself right before you were about to run your first session what's a piece of advice you'd give yourself I have to I would go back in time, be like, wait, no, your first section session was actually all right. Leave, come back to my second session, um, which was the one where I needed the advice. <laughs> uh, and and the, the thing I'd be like is remember, remember that what you're making is a world. And like, remember that what you're making is a world. And if you feel comfortable and consistent with, how the location and how the world works, everything you throw in it is going, going to work. So don't, for me, it was, don't worry so much about like individual cool scene, individual cool scene, focus on making sure that you're comfortable with what the world feels like to you. And then you'll be able to make things a lot better and a lot easier. Solid advice. Thank you. And you won't have the weird world's trippiest superhero game. (laughs) It was not a good session. So is there anything that you'd like to plug that you want our listeners to go check out? Yeah. Uh, so as I said, I run a actual play podcast, Quest Friends, with an exclamation mark. 
You can find us at questfriendspodcast.com. Again, that's questfriendspodcast.com. Uh, we're also quest underscore friends on Twitter. Uh, we're on Tumblr and other places as well, but those are the two main ones where you'll see uh, most of our stuff. Uh, again, we're an actual play podcast that takes place in the world of Numenera, one billion years in the future. There's just a lot of silly and endearing characters, and if you want to hear me just kill my voice as this terrible Iago, uh, we're like six, probably at this point, like six episodes in to an arc with that as a major character, so you can come and hear my pain. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. Um, there's, I think, a few things that I've picked up that I'm definitely going to try and remember for the next campaign that I run. I'm going to try and steal the animal thing. I'm going to try the, the animal, animal thing. The animal thing is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool. I can't do it, but it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for having me on and letting me just kind of yell at a microphone, which is my hobby now, I guess. <laughs> no problem. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah. Bye. 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 Our art is done by the wonderful Haley Moros. Our theme music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod. You can find us on social media at, at DMs of Vancouver and also on Facebook. Uh, you can find this podcast on Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and tell your friends about the show. Word of mouth really helps shows like ours grow and find an audience. And we're also part of the Cave Goblin Network. You can find our shows and many others at cavegoblins.com. And you can support us and the rest of the network at patreon.com slash cavegoblins. Hey, my name is Eric. I'm Piers. And this is Podcast vs. Podcast. You're listening to us here on the Cave Goblin Network. We take turns pitching podcasts to each other. We're trying to find a good podcast to do because we don't have any ideas. So turn off whatever show you're listening to. Turn on our show. Hi, I'm Talia Murdoch, and I'm here to find out if you've ever asked yourself why Superman and Batman fight or why Batman needs Robin in the first place. Get answers to these questions and more in the Everything Economics series about superheroes on the Cave Goblin Network. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.